Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show, and happy Football Friday. We got a big one today. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Today's show, like every Friday show, brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, yeah. in Sunbury, the beverage yeah. supermarket. Absolutely, you're talking about the best selection of beer anywhere: wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. The pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. And not only that, but six great flavors of slushies. Looking forward anytime to go over and get those. I don't, it doesn't matter if it's cool or not out. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. Yeah. So, uh, so great to have you with us today on the show. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And. Uh, Again, it's great to be in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. So I think we have a decent show lined up today. Don't you? I concur. You know, because right now, because of the Eagles, You've been tremendously moody, uh, which has been an issue. I mean, that's about right. Yeah, I mean, you've been moody. I mean, let's. I mean, let's face it. I, I can't seem to get you to feel like, you know, where you're going with this thing. All right. So I, I get. I get concerned. I have concerns. So let's get to James Franklin. We'll start out there. James Franklin, I had an opportunity to talk with him last night while Suit Light was talking to Santa. I talked to James Franklin. Just, you know, I mean, each one of us felt we were productive in our own way. Santa, though, the difference between James Franklin and Santa is this. James Franklin was not confused by what I was talking about. Santa was deeply confused by Suit Light last night. Confused. Dave Revson on the show next half hour. Brad Nessler coming up at four oh six and the King. I mean, who's got a better lineup than that today? Nobody. All right. So the first uh, topic we got into is talking about the defense. Uh, when they played Rutgers, forty-five percent of the plays for Rutgers were either one yard. No gain or a loss. So the first question I asked James about last night when it came time to talk about the defense, 
was when he watches not only live but then watches the video, is he seeing better gap integrity defensively, and is he seeing better angles by his players? We're playing more confident. Uh, we're playing more aggressive. And, um, you know, I think your point is a good one. I think we have tackled better, and I think that's confidence and, and playing fast. And, and, and we have been more gap accountable. You know, guys, you know, you know doing their job um, and 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 being prepared to make the play when it when it when it when it shows up, you know, within their responsibility. But earlier in the year, there was times where guys were pressing to try to make a play, and they were actually you know, creating some challenges for us and 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 creating some opportunities uh, for our opponents to take advantage of. Yeah. In fact, when you talk about playing fast, just so maybe some fans may not realize, it's not you know straight line speed. It's Understanding right away and, and getting to it right away because they have such a flow and they have a feel for what's going on out there. Correct. Yeah, correct. I think, you know, the coaches have done a good job. The guys have done a great job film studies. The Monday, the off day on Monday, guys have been in here watching film and, and doing a great job from that perspective. You know, we've done a good job of cutting back some time in practice, but still getting enough work uh, that our guys can go out and, and have fresh legs and, and play fast and play aggressive and, and, and with confidence. And, and you've seen that. You know, you've seen that. So, you know, we got to continue to build on that. We can still get a little bit more turnovers. I think that's something uh, that that obviously could help us. Uh, but overall, it's, it's been impressive. Now I want to get to the offensive side, something I didn't really get to last week, but I'll get to it here and combine the Michigan and Rutgers games. Final 537 at Michigan, you get the ball. You ended on your terms. You never gave it back. Last week, you started on the one after that punt, which was so tantalizing. I, mean, I felt like they were teasing you on that punt. <laughs> I, I didn't feel that <laughs> It went right down to the one, and then you went 11 plays, 89 yards the other way on, on a long drive. That may not be four-minute offense, but that was coming out offense. What are you seeing in those situations from your team right now? Yeah, you know, I think obviously whenever you can, you know, run in a situation where everybody in the stadium knows you're going to run the ball or you can throw the ball in a two-minute situation where everybody knows you're going to throw the ball, um, you know, you got a chance to be pretty good, you know, in predictable situations and you can still do it. Um, you know, um, you know, and in that game, you know, obviously we're going into the wind. They punt the ball down to the one-yard line. Um, you know, we've been running the ball and eating the clock up and things like that. So to be able to do it under those circumstances, uh, and, and those, in that situation, um, you know, is impressive. You know, you basically, you know, what people would describe as a, you know, championship drive, you know, drives that you have to, you have to be able to make, um, you know, which is, which is something that, that, you know, we have put a, a extreme amount of emphasis on. You talked earlier about injuries. Of course, we know about Pat Fryermuth. So you have one of the true Cadillacs of tight ends at tight end. So now we've had a chance to see extended periods of Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, and then let's add in Zach Kuntz and Tyler Warren. What have you seen from them, not just as pass catchers, but what have they meant to the running game with their blocking? Yeah, I think they've done a really good job. They've been physical. They've been aggressive. They've been able to get movement, not just stalemates at the line of scrimmage. They've been able to get movement. Um, you know, and, and obviously we, we want to keep them involved in the passing game as well, but you don't usually see, you know, um, you know, especially the true freshmen, um, you know, you know, doing that, uh, on a Big Ten level. So that, that's been something that, that we're really proud of and that, that we can build on and that, 
um, you know, um, you know, we're excited about you know their future, and we're going to need it again on Saturday. This is a physical bunch. You know, they're they're starting. You know, they're too deep at D tackle. I think is three forty five, three forty, three thirty five, and three ten. They're massive, uh, and they do a great job defending the run. Um, you know, they play play a lot of press man on the, on the perimeter. Um, you know, they've they've done a good job. You know, early in the season they were turning the ball over too much, very very similar to us. Um, you know, but but defensively, you know, they've done a good job. The the, the stats have been skewed a little bit um, because Ohio State had a bunch of big plays, specifically from Justin Fields, either with his legs or in the passing game. It kind of skews the stats a little bit. Um, but but overall, you know, this is a stout physical bunch, and we're going to need our tight ends to play well. As you said to everybody a couple of weeks ago, when it came to Will Levis and Sean Clifford, quote, we're going to need both of them. Uh, so in the last couple of weeks, what has made that work between the two of them? Well, I, I think, you know, obviously for different reasons all, all year long, you know, th- those guys have played. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, Will does a really good job of, uh, you know, basically in some ways you're playing a wildcat, you know, type of uh, offense with, with him in there. You know, and, and, you know, it makes it a little bit more challenging for the defense, even though we haven't thrown it. It makes it challenging for the defense knowing that that guy can do that. It's one thing when you put a running back back there. It's another thing when you put a 230-pound quarterback back there that has the threat to do that. So uh, a combination of, of Sean's experience last year um, and, and, and Will's ability to make plays with, with his feet as well as his arm, uh, you know, we're going to have to continue to mix those things in. We talk about cohesion with an offensive line, but when we talk about cohesion with an offensive line, it normally is five. How have you felt about the six offensive linemen alignment, and what kind of cohesion have they shown when they've come together? Yeah, I think that's been good. It's something you know I've done all the way back to my time at Vanderbilt, uh, when you know it's a great way. I always studied Stanford and watched Stanford. It was a great way to gain some experience for for some of your other offensive linemen and be a little bit more physical you know on the edge of your set and uh now you got a 300 pound guy playing tight end you know blocking typically a 250 pound dn um you know you 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 can you can create some uh, opportunities there you create some advantage you can you know create some leverage so um you know i think that's been helpful for us as well now you're protected on both edges as well whether it's with a tight end or another offensive lineman plus you still got some wide receivers out there wide you mentioned that michigan state being so physical and you mentioned specifically the defensive tackles how physical are they up front with that offensive line which has been a norm for them is this a typical type of michigan state team up front yeah, we think they're good on both fronts. The, uh, the O line and D line, they're both physical. They're both, you know, got really good size. You know, it's one of the bigger O lines. We think it's one of the better O lines in terms of how well they're coached. Um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, uh, you know, this guy took over for a guy that won a lot of games there. Um, you know, and built, and built it the right way. So, so it, it's still, you're going to look at it and it's still going to look like, um, you know what you expect out of a, a Michigan State offensive line. James, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Best of luck on Saturday. Thanks, Steve. You too, buddy. James Franklin. We'll come back with more in a moment. Still to come, Dave Russin, Brad Nessler, the King, and some Eagles wine. <laughs> 
Yeah, let's go with that. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Reagan Street in Summary, the beverage supermarket, where they have wine coolers, by the way. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice cold 12 packs and dozens of 24 ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one stop party shopping and don't forget the pickle bar. So, whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury wants to see you and thank you for your years of patronage So Dave Dombrowski, by the way, is the officially now the president of the Phillies. This is how I view it. I feel now the Phillies have made the transition to having a real pro in the dugout in Joe Girardi and having a real pro as team president in Dave Dombrowski. I think Dabrowski phrased it right today. Number one, we have a star, Bryce Harper. And he can build around that. And he's guy has some others, obviously. Reese Hoskins can be. He also mentioned the three starting pitchers. Critical. And that's what he did in Boston. He built what he was doing around his starting pitchers. They, they built that. Around, you know, you can talk about, hey, we got JD Martinez, you know, you got Raphael Devers, they had Mookie Betts at the time, but they had the starting pitchers that made it pay off. They had David Price, they had Chris Sale, they had Eduardo Rodriguez. They, I mean, they had starting pitchers that could go out there and take the ball and go. And he, that's one of the elements he talked about today that he brought up with Philadelphia, that they have the three key component starting pitchers so he knows he has something to build around the question is for Dombrowski what do you do now JT Real Muto is a huge piece to this it's a huge piece A can they keep him and if the Phillies are inclined to spend money, they can. Dombrowski was given that mantle, that mantra with Boston. They said, look, you know, get us home here. So he went out and he, he spent the money on J.D. Martinez. They already had put money into David Price. I mean, the Red Sox spent a lot of money to get that 2018 championship. And let's face it, the old adage of you win 54, you lose 54, it's what you do in the other 54 that determines your season. The Red Sox were literally 54-0 and in the other 54. And then, of course, went, what, 11-3 and in the postseason? I mean, they won 119 games. So if he's given the mantra that he's allowed to have some flexibility spending money, 
that's going to be an important part. He had been a part of the Nashville group trying to get an expansion team. But with COVID going on right now, I think he probably felt better about transitioning into this. And Dave Dombrowski, I think, I think is a pro's pro to run the team, to go with a pro's pro in the dugout in Joe Girardi. Now, Matt would prefer Aaron Boone over <laughs> Joe Girardi. But I mean, it's just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just so sad. <laughs> so sad that you, you you can't put yourself into somebody else's shoes. It's all about the Yankees. Hey, I was the only Yankee fan that hated getting rid of Girardi at the time after 2017. Yeah, so there you go. And I mean, that's your team. Those are your guys. Go from there. <laughs> but, you know, that's what I think. I think now, front office-wise, you have a pro's pro. He did a good job in Detroit. He did a good job with the Marlins. He did a great job with the Red Sox. And now I think that... Uh, I think now he's got you know, an opportunity with this team. He doesn't have to do the heavy lifting to get a Bryce Harper. That's already done. He doesn't have to do the heavy lifting with an Aaron Nola or a Zach Wheeler or whomever. That's already done. And believe me, I don't think they want to get rid of Wheeler. Not in the least. That's where I think they are. Now I'll be interested to see how he builds around Harper, what real Muto's situation happens to be because with Harper, JT, and with Reese Hoskins, that's a pretty good solid group to then fill in the gaps around. The other area where I thought that Dombrowski did a good job, you have to be able to fill those all-important bullpen spots. A lot of these guys usually are one-year fixes, but he did a pretty good job of spotting those guys. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels of the dills. Indeed, second to none with six great flavors of slushies as well. At Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Dave Refson next half hour. Brad Nessler at 406. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by our great friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, they have the best selection of beer anywhere. Time to start stocking up for the holidays. Uh, maybe it's in the your uh, Hanukkah's underway for you. Well, two weeks from today, by the way, is Christmas. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day in the pickle bar. Led by the barrels and the dills. Is indeed and absolutely second to none. 
all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. And not only that, but fabulous selection of pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Great service department as well. All at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Care. It's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, talk about any time I have an opportunity to talk to Dave Repson, I just relish it. He's just one of the great guys out there. Uh, does great work, but it's just just great for me to talk to. Rever, it's always great to have you with us. Welcome back. Great to have, have you on the show. Same to you, Steve. Have I fulfilled my responsibilities? Yes, you have. You're done, and, 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 and you will not get fined. <laughs> What's up, my friend? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, it's great to, great to be talking about Big Ten anything right now, which is great. I know. Uh, yes. It really is. What a mess. Uh, so let's start with the Ohio State decision. They had clinched the division, just just as, as, as a note there. Does that have meaning to you that it was already clinched uh, to bypass the six-game deal? It does. I think that, to me, the Big Ten really dodged a bullet that no one was really talking about with this, which is, had Wisconsin beaten Indiana last week, then they would have been in kind of a similar pickle in the West, right? Then if Wisconsin would have beaten Iowa and Northwestern would have lost to Illinois, Northwestern would have the head-to-head against Wisconsin. Wisconsin would not have had enough games to qualify, but they would have had a better winning percentage than Northwestern. So it, it kind of flew under the radar, but you know how would they have handled that situation? Your guess is as good as mine. But this kind of gave them the freedom. The fact that Wisconsin lost that game to Indiana gave them the freedom just to consider the East. And I do think given the fact that Ohio State beat Indiana, and given the fact that really all Ohio State needed to do was play a game. They didn't need to win a game. They just needed to play a game this week. They would have gone even if they would have lost to Michigan, however unlikely that seems. And, And so I do feel like as much as it pains me, because I am a stickler for the rules, I believe if you set up rules, you follow rules, but I don't know that this rule made sense. I think it was probably ending up, it would have prevented what it was, it would have caused what it was designed to prevent. Like, I'm guessing that it was designed to prevent, like, a 2-0 and team yes. from somehow getting in to Indy, you know, versus a 5-1 and team or a 6-1 and team or whatever. Like, I'm guessing that was the idea of, of why they came up Right. with this rule and and so i do get it I, I think it's the right thing to do um but my heart goes out to indiana because man they had a great season and i you know whether or not they would have been able to play in the game is is up in the air but right. but it, it's a shame because they they deserve something really good here at the end yeah, no question especially by you watch last week i mean when they played wisconsin you know, Tuttle, Tuttle played well enough. He played well enough. But their defense, Tom's defense, has been playing terrific. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way watching them play. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, they are really, really good. 
on the defensive side. And as you well know, and I'm sure as your listeners well know too, if you kind of look back at the history of Indiana football, they have had some really dynamic offenses. They certainly did under Mm -hmm. Kevin Wilson. It's continued at times under Tom Allen. Issue's been defense, and Tom Allen was brought in to fix the defense, and he did that, and now as the head coach with Kane Womack in charge, I mean, man, they've been really, really good. They're an elite defense. They force a ton of turnovers, uh, leading the Big Ten in turnovers forced and turnover margin. They cause havoc. They've led the Big Ten in sacks this year, lead the nation in interceptions. I mean, they are a, they are a big play defense, and it's fun to watch. Obviously, Week 9 is on the horizon, and we'll see who's available to play. Uh, there had been the initial talk of East versus West, but if Wisconsin were to play Minnesota for the 114th consecutive year, I mean, to me, I think you can ma- match up any anybody you want to do something like that. How would you feel about it? I would be in favor of that. I think the biggest thing for me, Steve, is – there's really no meaning right now to one versus, uh, you know, uh, once you get past one versus one in the East-West, which obviously is, is the Big Ten championship game and is sad. Right. And, and I think you can make an argument like that two versus two is a really interesting game mm-hmm. if it's Indiana-Iowa. Mm-hmm. But after that, I mean, you have ten teams in the Big Ten that all have two wins. Right. So I mean, you're, you're really splitting hairs here. Like, there's really not much separating three versus three from seven versus seven when you get through all the tiebreakers. Exactly. And again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sort itself out a little bit this week, I think, and, and maybe we'll get some separation just by definition. We're going to get some teams to get to three wins. Yes. But still, I, I just don't see yeah, – to me, it's far more meaningful to use your example to have Wisconsin play Minnesota if they can, and, and we have no reason to believe those two couldn't play because they're both playing this week. I think that's more meaningful than pairing them against, you know, a, a team that where, where again you're just splitting hairs in terms of setting up a matchup. Exactly, I feel exactly the same way. I mean, one this would be 114. You can make the game happen, so make it happen. Yes. I think that I'm perfectly, yeah. perfectly content with that. Penn State's been able to win back-to-back games, and they've got Michigan State this week. What are you now seeing from the Nittany Lions that maybe you hadn't seen earlier? Well, let's see. Um, definitely defense. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no doubt. Uh, I, I thought they played really well against Rutgers. And, you know, Rutgers can be a dynamic offense. I mean, mm-hmm. they really have been at times. And they got no big plays on them. Not, not only not offensively, but on special teams either. And Rutgers has been pretty good on special teams, too. I mean, this is the first time in seven years Penn State's played a game where they haven't given up a 20-yard play on defense or on special teams. Right. Uh, I do think they did a really nice job against Michigan the week before. Now, the issue for them is they just haven't been that opportunistic on defense this year, the limited that's right. number of turnovers. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of the thing that stood out, and that kind of remains an issue. So I'd say that. And, and then the other thing I'd say offensively is they found a run game. I mean, the last mm-hmm. two weeks, I think it's over 500 yards combined over the last two weeks. And, right. and you think about you know, where they had been prior to that. And, and, you know, some of that, I think, to a certain extent, was beyond their control. The, the Journey Brown injury is so incredibly sad. But the offensive line really hasn't been there. They've given up a ton of sacks. And then fewer turnovers. I mean, just these last couple of weeks, cutting down on, on the turnovers, just two combined, whereas, you know, the previous three weeks they had averaged three per game. So th- those are the things that stand out to me. It just feels like they're – 
They're not shooting themselves in the, in the foot to the degree they were previously. Now let's turn the page to the Michigan State side of it. They, too, like Penn State, are minus nine giveaway takeaway. I know Peyton Thorne had to step in last week when Rocky Lombardi's head hit the turf. What are you seeing from Michigan State? What a weird team. <laughs> I, I, I can't figure out the North. I've watched the Northwestern game again, and then to me that's yeah. the one I've looked at and go, wow, okay. Well, I guess I would just say this, and I mean this with no disrespect at all to Northwestern. Yes. But Northwestern plays close games. They do not – they still don't have a very good offense. Mm -hmm. I think it's taken some steps this year with Mike Bajaki, and I think he's certainly more creative offensively. But they're just not dynamic at all, and they need to figure out a way to become more dynamic offensively. And so you're going to get in a close game with them. Just about every game is going to be close. And then they just didn't make the plays that they typically make against Michigan State. Like, you know, they, they right. forced a turnover in Michigan State territory up by three. They run a reverse that looked like it easily could have gone for a touchdown, right. frankly, the way it was set up. Yep. And the guy fumbles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's just kind of not what they've done. It was what they did last year, but, but not right. what they've done this year. So I guess I wasn't that shocked by it. The thing that shocked me in that game with Michigan State was how well they ran the football. That was like, wow, yeah. you know, against a really good running defense. So I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what to make of them. The turnover thing is alarming. And in their two yeah. games, the turnovers have been staggering. And in their, in their four losses, it's 18 of their 19 turnovers. Right. So in their two wins, they've turned it over once. So that's a huge part of it. Lombardi's made some really bad decisions with the ball. But they've been more explosive this year by far than they were a year ago. So there's some big play potential there, particularly in the pass game. And I don't think they're a bad defense by any stretch. Uh, I mean, I know Ohio State, you know, torched them and, and pounded them on the ground. But, you know, let's be honest, Ohio State does that to everyone. Yeah. But, yeah, they lead the Big Ten in tackles for loss per game. So they're going to create some problems for you. They're a solid kind of middle-of-the-road Big Ten defense. So, I don't know. They're just a weird team to figure. But to me, the, the big bellwether has been those turnovers. And, and the games they've avoided them, they play pretty well. Exactly. And that, that's that's a really important point about that. Because it's not like they don't have players. Naylor can play on offense. They've got Simmons, the linebacker, is terrific. I think Brown has yep. five picks this year. So, I mean, they have guys. Uh, the Big Ten basketball season officially starts with Penn State Michigan on Sunday. In you know, I know there's been a lot of lock on on football to this point for obvious reasons, but I know you follow the basketball part with great depth. How speaking of depth, how deep can this conference be, especially after what they did to the ACC this week? I think it's really good. You know, it's interesting. I had that Penn State game against Seton Hall on TV and, you know, up 19, and then it just <laughs> faded away, as you know. It's kind of like, oh, man. I, I thought, man, Seton Hall kind of exposed some some weaknesses perhaps inside for Penn State. You know, are they going to be able to kind of cobble together with a, a guard-oriented lineup and then to go into Virginia Tech and win the way that they did? I mean, not just to beat Virginia Tech, but to pound Virginia Tech. Right. Man, that was really encouraging. I, I mean, looking at this league – now, the top four, I think, are legitimate national championship caliber teams. I mean, I, I guess I really believe that. I, I look at Iowa. I look at Illinois. 
Wisconsin, and I guess you have to include Michigan State there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they have Tom Izzo as their coach. That's something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Langford being back, I, I think, is is a huge feather in their yeah. cap. Uh, and, and he's played reasonably well here. It seems like Watts is kind of figuring it out at that point mm-hmm. guard spot. So you look at those four, Steve. I mean, you know, four of the top eight in the AP poll. I mean, it's the first time that that's happened since 1987. So you think, wow. I mean, the, the top of the league's loaded. I'm not sure what to make of the rest of it. But again, like Penn State, if you consider them to be a team in the middle, to see what they did against Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. I think opened some eyes. We know how good Rutgers is. I think Ohio State showed us some things here early on. I really like Justice Suing, uh, the transfer there from yep. Cal. He's played really well. Mm-hmm. You can see Liddell kind of figuring it out. So I think you go down the list, and, you know, Indiana's had some really good moments here. They've kind of been up and down, but it, it's a pretty good league. I, I don't think there are many off nights in, in the Big Ten this year, and uh, the top of it is, is going to be fabulous. And finally, uh, from your personal perspective, the Big Ten's heading into its its eighth weekend of football. The Big Ten is now underway with the basketball part of it. I know nothing's normal right now, but have you felt at least some semblance of transition to normalcy with your job because now there are games being played? My job is a little more normal, I would say. I'm so proud of what we've done. I'm not here to, you know, pound our chest or anything like that, Steve. But, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff, our engineering staff in particular, it's amazing the flexibility we have now. I mean, we have people calling games from their homes. We have the ability to go live over the network from like we did a broadcast where I was live from my attic with no one in Chicago. Right. Um, I'm not going to get into the ins and outs. I could explain it to you and, and maybe you'd find it interesting as a broadcasting person. Right. It would probably put most people to sleep, <laughs> but our master control is in Houston. It's not in Chicago uh, for reasons that aren't necessarily worth going into. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we were able to get to that master control without having someone in Chicago during a pandemic is pretty amazing. So we've done some incredible, incredible stuff that I'm really proud of. It stinks not being able to go to games. I mean, you know, to call a game and to be watching the game on TV like everyone else is, there are limitations to that. It's really challenging. It's a bummer. But I'm just glad to be able to do it. You know, I mean, everyone's life has been disrupted so profoundly during this. And if that's the worst of it from our point of view professionally, I mean, there's certainly been a ton of things with my kids and and whatnot, but from a professional point of view, man, I I just consider myself lucky to to be able to do it. And and I'm happy for fans that it gives them some sort of diversion. I think we really have to take our hats off to these players and coaches, Steve. I mean, you know it from being around the Penn State program. Mm -hmm. These kids have given up so much of their lives to Mm -hmm. be able to play. You know, I thought Pete Thamel had a great article this week in Yahoo. I don't know if you saw it, where he talked about, you know, like players who can't hug their families after the game, players choosing to live alone this year so that they're less susceptible to contact tracing. Notre Dame, he mentioned bringing plexiglass on the road. Yes. And when they eat meals, everyone has to put a piece of plexiglass up between them and their teammate who they're sitting next to. Like, think about what that means for these players. And and yet, they have done it. They've done it for themselves, I think, partly. And I don't want to make it seem like it's totally altruistic. They want to play. It's meaningful to them. 
but it's also meaningful to us as as fans and consumers. And and I hope that people appreciate, you know, particularly in challenging years for some programs, I would put Penn State among them, everything that these players and coaches have sacrificed to make it happen. I mean, how about James with his family in Florida? Yes. Right? Yep. I mean, it's great. Think about that. Think about being away from your family for that long you know. to do your job. It's It's pretty staggering. I always look forward to every conversation I have with you. I always appreciate it very much. Appreciate the friendship and the fact that uh, you're always willing to come on and talk. Thanks, Dave, so much. And happy holidays to you and your great family if we don't get a chance to talk between now and then. Likewise. Thanks, Steve. It is always a pleasure. You're the best. Thanks a lot for having me on, my friend. Dave Rifson. Dave Rifson. BTM. Brad Nessler, next half hour, we'll talk with him. another one that's just a great guy. Then the king... And during the segments with the King, we'll allow Matt to vent about the various professional football problems he has right now. Hmm. It's interesting because earlier today I had a chance to talk with Vic Carucci from the Buffalo News about the Bills. And um, awesome guest, by the way. And... It's really it was interesting to talk to somebody who's happy. Back with more in a moment. Here <laughs> on News be. Radio 1070 WKOK. Brad Nestler, next half hour. Alabama dominates in the SEC. Alabama's Arkansas this week. And. Uh, Something I won't get into him with him because he doesn't handle this part, but you see what the ESPN did with the SEC starting the 2024 season? It's a 10-year deal, and the SEC will go from getting $55 million a year from CBS to $300 million a year from ESPN. Wow. That is some number. Oh well, that is some number. So we'll talk. We'll talk to, to Brad about that. Now, interesting. Then in the final half hour, we'll do our picks with the King. Um, at some point, if you don't hear me during the pick segment, it's probably because Matt's whining about the Eagles, and, and I've gotten to the point now where I just leave the room. <laughs> usually get usually get something to drink, come back down, and he's still whining. I don't blame you. It's it, it was so bad at one point last week listening to you about this that even I started to well up. I felt so badly for you. <laughs> Once again, yeah. I appreciate the concern. Well, but there was another part. I, I might have been welling up a bit because I just kind of felt like you were killing this show. All right, so all right. <laughs> yeah, you're probably Brad, right. Uh, and Brad Nessler next half hour. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 